Chapter 9. Going Downtown Downtown was a perfect blending of everything a footloose kid could conceive. Five-and-dime stores, movies, food, candy, freedom, and adventure. All packed into about five square blocks. This wonderland, less than three miles from my doorway, was easily reached by bus in about fifteen minutes at a cost of twenty cents. Saturdays were looked forward to all year around because it was then that, barring parental interference, the kids on my block, at least the boys, made the pilgrimage to this mecca of amusement. We weren't allowed to go by ourselves, so without much discussion, we formed a loose-knit group for the purpose, usually numbering three or four boys, all more or less the same age, who waited together for the downtown-bound number 26 bus that stopped at the top of our street. Besides myself, the regulars would include Bobby, who lived across the street, Jerry from the other end of the block, and sometimes Freddy from the next street over. These trips began when we were about ten and lasted until we became teenagers and sometimes a little longer. No adult ever accompanied us, but we were definitely not without adult oversight. Bobby's mother was manager of the large lunch counter at the downtown Sears store, and Mrs. Lilmouth, the war widow, who lived a couple of houses away, was the secretary of the manager of the state theater. Both these connections not only made our parents feel better about letting us go downtown on our own, but also provided certain advantages. It was no hardship, for example, that we were required to have lunch with Bobby's mother at Sears, for free. If the feature playing at the state interested us, rarely the case unless there was a John Wayne Western or war movie playing, all we had to do to get in for free was to ask the box office person to call upstairs and get Mrs. Lilmouth's okay. Most of the time, our favorite was the smaller Royal Theater, which always ran cowboy movies. However, we would go to any theater with a Tarzan movie starring Johnny Weismuller, however old the particular feature might be. The prime objective of these outings wasn't, however, the movies, but the chance to cruise the toy departments of the downtown Five and Dimes, Woolworths, Newberry's, Grant, and Cress. We usually didn't have much money after bus fare and movie tickets, but we enjoyed looking and wishing. It was a good thing to know what was out there when Christmas, or birthday-less time, came around. In the meantime, one of us would occasionally make a minor purchase, maybe a plastic car or new cap gun. Our routine on these outings was fairly precise. We'd leave home and board the bus about 10 a.m. to be sure to hit the stores soon after opening. The shopping lasted until about 12.30 when we would go to lunch at Sears. While roaming from one store to the other, we would check the movie offerings and times at the seven different theaters then active downtown. This was possible because they were all close together. In just a couple of square blocks, we could choose from the state, Ritz, Empire, Star, Royal, Galax, another with mostly Western fare, and the Lyric. The first shows of the day were around 1 p.m. Once the debate on which movie to see was settled, we pooled our remaining cash for refreshments. If there was a double feature that day, hopefully with a Three Stooges epic between features, we were out about 4 to 4.30 p.m. Afterwards, we would trudge back to the bus stop in front of Newberry's and, reeking of orange crush, popcorn and junior mints and clutching our new soon-to-be-lost-or-forgotten treasures, we would wait for old number 26 to take us back where we'd started that morning.
At home, my parents would ask me if I'd had a good time, and I'd make some casual response that in no way adequately communicated just how much fun I'd had. After all, I'd been downtown.